0: Summer for me. Um, you know, I, I hope that you guys are resting and relaxing. And I, I just confess, God put it on my heart that I need to rest and relax and enjoy the summer. But it has been busy. Uh, we've been having a lot going on. We've had family in town for basically four to five consecutive weeks. And you know that that's fun and good, but that means stuff and things on the schedule. Um, I have been pre- preparing for all kinds of summer trips, one of which being Mission Colorado, which leaves on Saturday. Um, then we got Mission Houston. And we've got work to do for Mission Germany, going to Teen Street. We have all kinds of stuff that we're working on. I'm already working on the fall semester, so it's been busy there. And in the midst of that, I've had multiple home improvement projects. So I've been, when I'm supposed to be resting at home, I've been doing extra stuff, but it's all good. But because of my busyness, um, I've had a hard time keeping up with my regular daily quiet times, my time where I sit down with the Lord and I just ask, what what do you have for me today? What can I be working on today? Um, I haven't been hitting them as consistently as I'd like. Um, And I need to work on that because that time is so important to me. That's my daily time to sit with the Lord and hear what he has to say to Justin. It's private. It's just for me and him. I hope that you make time like that for your own self um, between you and the Lord. Knowing how busy I have been and that I was going to be, um, I knew I wouldn't have time this past week to write today's sermon. So I asked God two weeks ago, what do you want us to talk about on June 24th? And he led me to Jeremiah chapter 7. And I read it the first time, and I'm like, I don't really see a sermon that's applicable there. And then I read it a second time, and I'm like, okay, I see something, but I don't really see the whole thing. And then when I read it the third time, it's like a light bulb went off, and I just knew this is for us. This is for me today. So um, whether you're here by invite, accident, or you come every week, just know that what God has to say to us through Jeremiah 7 is specifically for those of us in this room. So buckle up and listen up. Jeremiah 7, 3 through 10 says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, even now, even today, even right now, if you quit your evil ways, I will let you stay in your land, but do not be fooled by those who promise you safety simply because the Lord's temple is here. They chant, the Lord's temple is here, the Lord's temple is here. I will be merciful only if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and start treating each other with justice. Only if you stop exploiting exploiting foreigners, orphans, and widows. Only if you stop your murdering. Only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. Then I will let you stay in this land that I gave to your ancestors to keep forever Do not be fooled into thinking that you will never suffer simply because the temple is here. That is a lie. Do you really think that you can steal and murder, commit adultery, lie, burn incense to idols, and then come here and stand before me in my house and chant, we're safe, and then just go back out and do all those evils again? So the backstory of this chapter in Jeremiah is this. These are God's people that he's talking to. These are people that go to church, they go to the temple, and they were in a time of prosperity. They were in a time of safety. They were in a time where all their needs were being met. And I, I think of us, and I think it's summer and school's over and it's a time for us to enjoy. It's a time for us to play. It's a time for us to gather together and have a good time. Um, But as a result of just enjoying God's gifts, alone, they became self-absorbed. They became self-centered. They got a little spoiled, and as a result, they grew lazy in their faith. They grew lazy in their relationship with the Lord. They've been obeying Him so well all year, and then they just started to focus on the gifts and not the giver, and they just stopped talking to God, and they stopped obeying God, And we are all susceptible to that. Today's sermon is kind of like taking our own temperature. How am I doing when it comes to my faith? Because too much downtime can cause you to be lazy in your faith. Too much playtime and not enough time with the Lord can hurt us. Um, For me, my confession at the beginning, too much busyness can hurt my relationship with the Lord. If I come home every single day, every week from work... To be with my family and I don't even talk to Brooke, it's going to hurt my relationship and it's going to hurt Brooke. And some of us, if not all of us, are in that boat in some way, shape, or form today. Whether it's too much play, too much busyness, too much focusing on the future, and God is like, man, I would love to spend some time with you tonight. So eventually when we're in that behavior of hurting ourselves by not spending time with our Savior, it will bleed out and start hurting the people around us. But God loves us no matter what. God loves us even when we're turning our back to him, thumbing our nose at him. God loves us so much that he will call us out on our bad behavior as he did here. The prophet Jeremiah was sent to God's people to say, hey, we can do better. Um, There's more blessings on the way if we can obey. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says even now. You've been bad all year. You've been ignoring God all for a decade, but even now, right now, if you quit your evil ways, God will let us stay here in our own land. God will continue to bless us, continue to protect us. Quit your evil ways. It's one of our questions for you today. This would be a good time to grab the pen and paper under your chair. I want to ask you guys, but really I'm asking so that you can ask the Lord right now in this moment. Has God convicted you? Has God spoken to you? Has God challenged you even once this year? I'm talking since August 26, the beginning of the school year until today, has God spoken to you even once about your thought life, about your behaviors, about what He desires for you? Has God asked you to do anything for yourself or for the sake of His name? Um, has God called you out on any selfishness this year, or pride, or, or me-centered thinking? Has God talked to you about lazy faith, like he's convicted you, and you know it beyond the shadow of a doubt, I need to read my Bible more? Has he said that to you? Has he moved you to believe that and understand that? Has he talked to you about a personal sin? And just as we were worshiping, I felt like the Lord told me to say this, are you so trapped and your addiction to pornography, that you come here on Sundays and you feel like you don't deserve to be here, or that you can't even connect in worship because you know what you've been doing all week. It's okay if you feel that way, but God doesn't want you to walk out of here feeling that way. Has your time with the Lord revealed to you that you might be hurting some other people in your life through self-centeredness, or not serving, or not praying for people when you feel led to? Do you have unforgiveness in your heart? Has God talked to you about any of those things or things I didn't name this year? That's my question for you. If he's spoken to you about something specific, I want you to own it. I want you to write it down. I want you to do some business with Jesus regarding that before you leave here today. If God has spoken to you, And you've thought about it, good. But that's only step one of two. My next question, what have you done about it? God speaks to you. He expects results. If I tell my son, I want you to do this, or this over here is not good for you, I expect him to do something about it and not just think about it. And God expects the same for us. Even now, even today, no matter what you did last night, even now, if you quit Your evil ways, everything will be fine. I love, and you need to remember, not just today, 10 years from today, that God, when He comes to speak to you, will always begin with grace. God does not begin with punishment, God does not come in with a hammer of discipline. He always begins with grace. Even now, we can. Just put all of that behind us and everything will be fine. I know your behavior has been poor for months, for years. It's been hidden and nobody knows, but I know because I'm your father in heaven. Even now, despite that behavior, it's not too late, even if you think it is. Do not be fooled by those who promise you safety simply because the Lord's temple is here. They chant, the Lord's temple is here, the Lord's temple is here. You guys, does anybody here have that friend or maybe you are that friend when you're considering doing something wrong and they're like, don't worry about it. Nobody's going to find out. Everything will be fine. I'm sure you have experienced that at one time or another or said that at one time or another. Don't worry. We won't get caught. Well, the city of God's people in Jeremiah 7 was full of people like that. Man, God has blessed us so much. We go to church every week or at least a couple times a month. Nothing bad will happen to us because we go to church, because God's temple is here. You guys, don't be fooled. Because sooner or later, every single one of us will have to answer for every idle word, every deed that we have done, that has gone right in the face of what we have known in our heart, what we thought about, that God said, that's not my best for you. That's not good for you. We will all answer for our wrongdoing in this life. There's a great example that I read about just last week. I got a picture here of this guy 30 years ago and about three weeks ago. This is an Air Force officer who back in the 80s abandoned his post and just disappeared, just Went off the grid. He had served faithfully for years and years and climbed the ranks in the Air Force. And then before his commission was even close to being done, he just left. So much so that his own family didn't know where he was and assumed he was dead. The military was like, I don't know, we got kidnapped or what? He's gone. He just vanished. And there were some questions about things regarding his post after he vanished that the military was like, I something might have been going on there. And this guy got away after having done some bad stuff. And for 30 years, living under a new identity, marrying a new wife, his old family thinking he was dead, can you imagine the heartbreak, he uses a fake passport and gets pinged at San Francisco just the other week, and they arrest him and they find out, you're this dude that is supposed to have been dead for three decades, and they grab him and then the Air Force comes and questions him and I don't even understand the story yet because it's still unfolding but there's rumors that this guy had something to do with potentially sabotaging the Challenger shuttle that blew up in the 80s and then disappeared off the grid. I don't know if that's true but I know this man is in deep trouble and did something foul and vanished thinking I got away with it. It's been 30 years but he still got caught. And there he is last week in jail because we will all, sooner or later, in this life or the next, have to answer for every wrongdoing. And as I tell that story again, I will say, do you have that thing that you are doing or did and think, I'm glad I didn't get caught. You guys, listen to what God has to say to you in Matthew 7. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And on judgment day, many will say to me, picture it, right? Judgment day. Jesus has come back. We are all in heaven. We are all standing before him. And we will all have to go and talk to him. And here he is saying, on that day, many people will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. I mean, that's a sweet pedigree. I would love to be able to claim some of those things. And yet Jesus will look at them and reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. You who say, Jesus, I can come into heaven because I went to church once a month. So everything's fine, right? And he will say to us, get away from me. Because you never let what I said to you change the way that you act. You never let it get into your heart. You showed up at church and you listened to the bald guy, but you never did anything about it. You read your Bible and you knew it was true and you knew it would be good for you. And you never changed the way that you lived. You thought about it, but then you went on and continued in your sin. And God's not saying this to scare us. He's saying it to warn us. Like a father says to his five-year-old, don't touch that. It's hot. It will scar you. He wants the best for you and the best includes not just changing the way that you think, but changing the way that you act. No one gets into heaven because they live in America. And you might think that that's a funny statement, but people do. I live in a Christian nation. I'll go to heaven. I did enough good deeds. I'll get into heaven. Nobody gets into heaven because they went to church. You being here today has nothing to do with your salvation. Nobody receives God's mercy because they grew up in a Christian home. You guys have said it to you before, and I'll say it again, but your parents' faith has no bearing whatsoever on your relationship, personal relationship with Jesus. Or because you went to a Christian school. Man, I've met some kids that go to the Christian schools around here. Scary. I pray for them. You should too. Our relationship, hear this, I wrote this myself, it might be worth you writing down too. Our relationship with Jesus is not about where we live, but how we live. I will be merciful to you only if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds. He didn't say just evil thoughts, he said and deeds. And start treating each other with justice. I want to define that word of what God is offering to us, mercy. Mercy, or to be merciful, is... I can only keep talking for so long. Put up the slide. Daniel, I'll eat your face off. There it is. Mercy is the compassionate treatment of or attitude towards an offender. Do you know that you are an offender in the eyes of God? And do you know that you should... Own that and embrace it. I am an offender. I am a sinner. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, said, there's no greater sinner than me. It's okay that you're not perfect. It's okay that you make mistakes and that you'll make them later today, because I probably will. I anticipate a little laziness in my future. It's okay that we're not perfect. It's okay that we're offenders, because God has loads. He has oceans of mercy and grace, of compassion toward us, an attitude, not of judgment, but just mercy. Oh my gosh, I just love you so much, honey. It's okay that you messed up because you recognized it and you said, let's do something about it. But we only receive that mercy. We only receive that grace. We can only walk right into heaven like we're on the VIP list without having to worry about listing our deeds if we say, Jesus, I am broken, I need help, I can't do it myself. That's all you got to do. And these people didn't. We have to change not only our thoughts, the way that we think about who God is and who he created us to be. We also have to change the way we act. All year long, since August, every single sermon that I have given to you guys and Kalen's as well, I have used that phrase, change the way that you think. And I would ask you again, between you and the Lord, how are you doing when it comes to changing the way that you think? It's just between you and the Lord. I'm not going to like pick up questions afterwards, but what have you learned about God this year? In this room, in your Bible reading, in your small group, what have you learned about who God is? And therefore, what have you learned about who you are? And then the question for today is, what have you done with it? What have you done about it? How has it changed not only your thoughts, but how you live your daily life? If you've been in here and you've heard it's wrong to look at pornography and act on it and you haven't changed a lick I'm praying for you. And you need to think about you need to think about it and change. And believe me, you can still mess up but work on it and God will say you're trying. You're doing something. I'll share a couple of examples how Wood's Edge Student Ministry, this entity of your church, has changed not only the way that we think, but act. This year, we feel that God has said, I'm going to send revival. We believe it. We are thinking hard about it. And we feel like he has said, I want to see you increase your community, and I want to see you increase your prayers. Those are the things that we've been thinking about that God has said to us. Now, what have we done about it? We've done a lot about it, and some of you are part of it. Um, we created this little red chair, which is really paprika, and I'm tired of hearing about how it's not really red. But here's our red chair. We did a whole sermon about it, and it's covered in names that you guys wrote of people that you know need Jesus. I got five people's names on there, one of them my dad. And we put that chair out there and we will leave it there and we encourage you not to sit there because that chair is our reminder every time we see it that I know somebody that I could have invited to church today. And the reason that chair is empty is because I didn't. I know somebody who needs to be prayed for today and the reason that chair is empty is because I need to remember if I had prayed, maybe, maybe God will do something for them. That chair is empty because God wants us to remember you coming here is not all about you. It's about me. And I said, I want everybody to come. So we made that chair, and I hope it speaks. I hope when you see it, you feel a twinge of like, oh, I should have invited so-and-so. And you know what? If you're thinking of them now, text them, and say, will you come on Wednesday? Will you come on Thursday? Will you meet me for coffee and let me share a story about the Lord? What else have we done? We started our summer off with Aloha Week. We did four consecutive days. They weren't on the books whatsoever. We didn't have the budget for it. We hadn't prepared for it, but we felt like the Lord said, increase the community. So we did four days of just opportunities to come here and hang out, and every single one of them was awesome. And we did that for the only purpose, because Jesus said, I want you to increase community. We are doing art ministry every other week, and Life hacks every other week to teach you guys things and to give you an opportunity to use your gifts, but mainly because of community. And we've got something on every Friday night, the upper room. It'll be happening this week in this room on Friday night from 7 to 9. Students only, and then Kaylin and Bailey, meet here and they pray for revival. And they pray for your student ministry. We are putting feet on our faith because we are thinking about what God has said, more community, more prayer. And so we're doing something about it. Every single sermon, and we've already done it twice in this one, has listening prayer times because God said pray more. We can't manufacture revival, but we can pray for it, and we can obey the Lord, and then he'll do the rest. We've done those things because of this. If you have truly changed the way that you think based on Scripture, based on God, based on your faith to him, if you truly change the way that you think, your actions have to change. So if you're sitting here today saying, oh, I've changed the way that I have thought, and your life hasn't changed a lick, don't fool yourself. Do not fool yourself. Your actions have to follow what you're thinking. Stop exploiting foreigners, orphans, and widows. Stop your murdering. Stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. That's some Old Testament lingo, and I'm like, how does that relate to me exploiting foreigners, orphans, and widows. I've never murdered anybody. Um, I'm not worshiping like little statues, but this is very relevant to us. Stop exploiting foreigners, orphans, and widows. Well, what does that look like on a macro level, like just me and the Lord? Does anybody in this room wrestle with pride? Because thinking that you're better than other people that's why God uses the examples of foreigners, orphans, and widows, the people that are very obviously less than us. If you wrestle with pride, then you're exploiting people. Are you selfish? I am. Do you think that you're better than other people? I do plenty, way too much. I pray for it every time I catch myself. If you do those things, you're guilty of that first one, like myself. Stop your murdering. Do you know that in the Bible that to murder somebody can also mean that you gossip about them? You you murder their character. To slander somebody, to lie and say mean things, to hurt them, that's a way to look at it as well. Unforgiveness is like murdering people. Like, God is so serious about unforgiveness that he says, if you're going to pray and you remember that you have somebody in your life that you want to apologize to, I want you to go right then and apologize to that person before you come and pray, for me, pray to me, because I'm not going to answer your prayer if you have unforgiveness in your heart. You need to get right. You need to obey. You need to put your faith in action. Are you part of a clique? Not just a special friend group, but a group of people that intentionally go out of their way to say no and make other people feel small. That's murder, and that will not be tolerated here. Stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. Man, who's got a problem with social media? I do. Who has a problem with substance abuse? Who's got an addiction to pornography in here? I guarantee if we are just feeling completely vulnerable, almost every single hand in this room would be up for that last one. Do you know that is idolatry? We all wrestle with something. We all have one of these things that we can grow in because God is calling us to do something about these Because not not because he's like, look how bad you are. It's, man, these things hurt you. Doing these things make you believe that you are these things and I didn't create you to be those things. And the longer we act in those things, do those things, the more they'll hurt the people around us too. I would... Challenge you right now to look at this list and just ask the Lord, again, just between you and God, but which one of these, God, do I need to do something about? God doesn't want you to walk out of here the same way you walked in. We can all grow. We can all do better in one of these areas. Just ask the Lord, Father, which one of these can I work on today? And write it down and own it and don't forget it. Don't walk out of here and just keep doing it. How serious is God about changing the way that we not just think but act? Well, he's this serious. Do you think that you can steal, murder, commit adultery, lie, burn incense to idols, and then come in here and stand before me, Jesus, and chant, we are safe, only to go right back out to do all those evils again? Do we really think, That if we never repent and never grow and never put action to our faith, that God will continue to bless us and continue to protect us? The answer is no. He's graceful. He's patient. He's slow to anger, but not forever. Because one day we will die. And if we haven't repented and tried and given our hearts to Jesus at that day, I don't want a single one of you to be one of those people that show up and say, God, look what I did. And he says, I'm sorry. I love you. I made you. But I never knew you because you wouldn't get to know me. You wouldn't hear what I had to say and then put it into action. I want to show you guys a video that many of you may have seen this week. And like the words and the moving of the lips is off. So we'll just pretend it's like a samurai movie. But The only important part of this clip is the audio, and I want you to hear what this guy is about to say, and I want you to
1: recognize he's saying it to me, and he's saying it to you. Check this out. This is what I call nine rules from Chris Pratt, Generation Award winner. Number one, breathe. If you don't, you'll suffocate. Number two, you have a soul. Be careful with it number three don't be a turd if you're strong be a protector and if you're smart be a humble influencer strength and intelligence can be weapons and do not wield them against the weak that makes you a bully be bigger than that number four when giving a dog medicine put the medicine in a little piece of hamburger they won't even know they're eating medicine number five Doesn't matter what it is, earn it. A good deed, reach out to someone in pain, be of service. It feels good and it's good for your soul. Number six, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. Number seven, If you have to poop at a party, but you're embarrassed because you're gonna stink up the bathroom, just do what I do, lock the door, sit down, get all the pee out first, okay? And then once all the pee's done, poop flush, boom. You minimize the amount of time that the poop is touching the air, because if you poop first, it takes you longer to pee, and then you're peeing on top of it, stirring it up, the poop particles create a cloud, goes out, and then everyone in the party will know that you pooped, just just trust me, it's science. Number eight, learn to pray. It's easy, and it's so good for your soul. And finally, number nine, nobody is perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be, but there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace, and grace is a gift, and like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood, do not forget it. Don't take it for granted. God bless you. Please get home safely.
0: Thank you. Man, well said, Chris Pratt. The reason I play that is that last point, number nine. People are going to tell you that you're perfect just the way you are, and you Are not, You guys, no one in this room is perfect. The only perfect person in this room is represented by that cross. Right there, right there. Jesus Christ is the only one that's perfect. And we strive to be like him, but none of us ever will be. But we live in a nation and a culture that is preaching, you're perfect just the way you are. You can do whatever you want, and there will be no consequences. We are living in Jeremiah 7. And God came to let us know, oh, no. You are not perfect. You need me. I I sent my son to die for you. That's how much you need me. You need this grace that I am offering. We are broken people. Every single one of you hearing me say that. You are a broken person. Your thinking is broken, and because your thinking is broken, your behavior is broken, just like me. And in order for restoration to happen, For us to be restored to the place of perfection with Jesus that's only going to happen in heaven, we have to realize and admit that we're broken. Repairing our brokenness is a two-step process. And if you hear nothing else today, hear this. Every one of us is is broken, and repairing the brokenness is a two-step process. And here are the steps. Change the way that you think, and then change the way you act. It's not just the one or the other, it's both. It is faith in action. I'm going to read you an excerpt from a letter that I received and read just this week from a former intern, and I don't read this to laud myself, but the person who wrote it. Dear Justin, one of the greatest lessons that you've instilled in me is the importance of self-assessment, humility, and apology. I learned this when I messed up. During my internship, and you took the time to correct me. None of that experience was fun for me, and I can only imagine the challenge that it was for you and for the rest of the team, but you stuck with me, you regularly poured into me during that time, and your devotion to the situation showed me how much you valued pursuing the process of changing the way that you think to change the way that you act. Even though that situation is over and done with, your loving persistence during that difficult time has continued to influence my day to day decision to walk in humility, apologize when necessary, and to seek forgiveness. Thank you for never giving up on me and for teaching me how valuable restoration is. This intern realized in an area they thought they had it all together and good, an area they felt like they were perfect, you know what? I'm not. I am broken. And they took the time to receive correction and change the way that they think, and it has changed the way that they act every single day. And it was hard, but they knew it was good, and they wouldn't trade the hardness for anything. Repentance restores us to our original state. It helps us remember that God did not create me to be a pornographer, a liar, a thief, a cheater, gross. He created every single one of us in this room to be a prince, a princess, a warrior for Jesus Christ. That is who you are. That's not what the world is telling you, but that is who you are. I'm going to close with a last little tidbit of a story. And band, you guys can come on up early if you want. Two weeks ago, I told you guys how I used to have a bad habit when I was your age. It was like a coping mechanism. I used to steal a lot, like kleptomaniac style. I would steal all kinds of stuff from like my mom, from the Renaissance Festival, from stop and goes. Like I just snatched stuff because I could. Maybe I was hoping to get caught so somebody would correct me. I never did though because I was very sneaky. When I became a believer 10 years after that behavior, God convicted me of that sin that I had stopped doing 10 years before. I hadn't stolen anything for years, but God convicted me the first couple months of my faith and said to me, that stuff that you used to steal, that was wrong. That's not who you are. That's not who I made you to be. I want you to return the things that you stole. Imagine 10 years later going up to your mom and saying, yeah, I've stolen thousands of dollars from you over the years. Imagine going to a store that you shop for your groceries at and being like, can I talk to the manager? Because I stole like some cabbage 10 years ago I need to talk about. Like, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous but it's what God told me to do. And I thought about it, and I realized there's good here, so I'm just going to do I'm just going to try it. I'm going to be faithful. I returned every single thing that I stole except one item because I didn't know where to return it. I stole this dinosaur tooth when I was 12 years old from a fossil shop on a, on a highway on some family vacation. There's a picture of it. I actually stole two teeth. I just, that's a better picture. I stole these dinosaur teeth, and when I was convicted to do something about it, I didn't know what to do with them, and I didn't know where to return them. I put them in a drawer, and I forgot about them, kind of like when you come to church and you're convicted, but then you go on and do nothing about it. I was so faithful in so much of what God told me to do, but I didn't finish it. I left that tooth in a drawer. Three weeks ago, I found that thing. I forgot I had it, and I'm like, looking at this representation of my sin, and I'm immediately convicted, I need to do something about this. I felt like I don't know who to return it to, so I'll donate it to the museum. And so, by faith, I went down to the Museum of Natural Science, I took my team with me at some point last week or the week before, and I took these teeth, and I just showed up not really knowing what to say, and I just said, do you have somebody that, like, receives donations? I have these dinosaur teeth, and they're like, no big deal, yeah, whatever, we'll get somebody. And about a half an hour later, this dude comes over, and his nickname is Jurassic James, huge dinosaur nerd. Here's a picture of him and his associate. And I pull these teeth out of my pocket, and I say, yeah, I've got these teeth, and I want to donate them. And he looks at them, and immediately his eyes light up, and he's as giddy as a little girl, and he's like, do you know what this is? And I'm like, teeth? Like, what? So, the big tooth and the little tooth are from different animals. Show me the first picture, Daniel. The big tooth is the one he got excited about, and it belongs to this creature that's been extinct forever. If you've ever seen the movie Lake Placid, that's how big this alligator critter was that used to eat dinosaurs. And this man was so excited about this tooth from this creature because he said, I've never seen one. We've never had a fossil like that. They're super rare. This is a big deal. And he knew it just by looking at it. And then the second tooth comes from a creature you should recognize if you saw the last Jurassic Park, that monster that eats the bad... Dinosaur at the end, the Mosasaur, it comes from one of those. I guess it was like a baby Mosasaur because it's little teeth, but still, he was thrilled. And the only reason I returned these things that looking at this man I could tell were of great value. Like they're going to send me a tax form to write off because they're so valuable, which I will promptly tear up because I don't deserve it. But the only reason I returned those things is because I knew this is what God wants for me to do. And it it get a little uncomfortable, it's going to be a little hard, but it's going to be for my good. And you guys, I can't describe the feeling that I had giving those things to this man and walking away. And it was like, I think there was a weight on me that had been there for a decade that I forgot about and it just whoosh, lifted. It was as if I returned that stolen thing, that representation of my sin, my bad behavior, and simply by obeying the Lord, I was reclaiming my rightful identity as not a taker, but a giver. And you have some of your true God-given identity that God wants to restore to you today. And all it requires is the same thing. Confessing, I did this and it was wrong. And then whatever God puts on your heart to do about it, go and actually do that. Pray, yes, but ask God, what can I do as well? If you have unforgiveness, you need to forgive somebody. If you have a pornography addiction, you need to confess it and you need to do something about it. You need to get rid of whatever you've got that you're using to look at it. You need to get some accountability. You can come and talk to me. There are things that we can do to help you, but all of you in some way, shape, or form wrestle with one of those things on that list earlier and God saying to you today, that's not who I made you to be. But even now, even right now, if you will confess that you're broken, if you will ask for help, I will restore you, I will bless you, I will strengthen you. We can't just think about it, we gotta do it. So I'm gonna lead us into a time of response. This is the most important time of the sermon where you are gonna talk to God about what you've heard and are thinking about today. And I have complete and total faith that he's gonna give you something that you can do with your conviction. And I beg you as your friend, and I demand of you as your pastor, And I hope for you as a fellow broken person, do whatever he's calling you to do. You will never regret it. You will be so thankful in it. Here's what this is going to look like. I want you to just bow your heads, clear your mind, and just ask the Lord in your own words, Jesus, what are you calling me to do? what are you calling me to do because I believe in you, because I love you, because I recognize that I'm broken, because I realize I have no power to stop this thing you're asking me to stop. What can I do? Some of you might be thinking, I need to confess. Some of you might be thinking, I need to reach out and talk to that person that... I hurt or hurt me. Some of you might be thinking, I just need to pray. Some of you might be thinking, I need to start reading my Bible again. Whatever is coming to mind, what God wants you to do with your faith, own it. Embrace it as a gift and do something with it today. Think back to the beginning of the sermon. Is there something that God convicted you of earlier this year but you never did anything with it or about it, would you just admit to God, I'm sorry? Would you just confess to him, I messed that up? And would you just say, give me a second chance. What can I do today? What what did you tell me back then? It's not too late. You can reverse the course right now. Think about it and do it. Jesus, we thank you that while we are still alive, it is never too late. But we don't want to wait until we're on our deathbed. We don't want to wait until we're nailed to the cross, about to give our last, and then place our faith in you, and then put feet on our faith. We want to change today. We want to grow today. We want to glorify your goodness. We want to receive your grace today. So please, move us to action. Pour out a spirit of boldness and confidence, light of fire in us, because we are settling for less down here. You have more for us. Help us receive it and walk it out, in Jesus' name, amen.